Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living Church. We're in the middle of the coronavirus outbreak on Palm Sunday. Uh, I would say it's probably a Palm Sunday I will never forget because we're all cooped up in our homes and uh, attempting to have church from home via recorded message or live streaming. Uh, but listen to this statement here. If Jesus had not been resurrected, you and I would have no hope of resurrection in this life or in the afterlife. And I'd like you to listen in to this message, uh, this podcast message, and receive hope this morning. I, there's, a, there's a lot of situations around us that might uh, cause us to lose hope, but in the midst of all of this, we can still have tons of hope. So listen in and be blessed. We've been talking about we've been talking about Palm Sunday, and this Sunday, this coming Sunday, uh, actually today, we're going to be talking about the hope of our resurrection, the hope of our resurrection. All right, the fact that we we realize that uh, we have resurrection, that we have resurrection life now, and we'll have resurrection life later, is evidence. Uh, pr- provides us with hope, all right? Um, next Sunday in Easter, Easter Sunday, we're going to be looking at the prophecies and the historical events of Jesus' resurrection, all right? And then the third Sunday, the Sunday after Easter, we're going to look at what the Bible promises about our resurrection, what the, the Bible promises about our resurrection. And uh, a couple of Wednesday nights ago, um, Jesse was asking, hey, what, what happens after you die? What does what the resurrection look like? Where do we go after we die? Is there a holding period? What's going on there? And so the third Sunday, we're going to start looking at the promises of, of, of God about concerning our future resurrection. So listen to this statement here. Um, the statement is, hope is the source of life. Hope is the source of life. And I'm, I'm talking about any hope. Any hope provides a source of life to us. Even bad hope provides a source of life to us. If we have any kind of hope whatsoever, even if it's, the, it's wrongly founded, um, that hope is going to keep us alive. If you don't have hope, uh, you can feel like you're going to die pretty soon. And that's literal. If you feel like you're not, if you don't have any hope, you're going to feel like you're going to die pretty soon. So what I'd like to do is read to you 2 Corinthians 1.8. 2 Corinthians 1.8. And it's written by a very godly person, the Apostle Paul, who was in this predicament of losing hope. And look, look what his reaction was to it. He says, I, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure. And, and I want you to think right now about the pressure that you're under. Are you under such pressure that you don't even have the ability to endure it? It could be a financial pressure. It could be a health pressure. It could be a family or marital pressure. What pressure are you under that you're looking at and you say, I can't handle this. This is too much for me. I don't know what to do. Look at what, what Paul says, though. He says it was so bad 
that we despaired of life itself. We despaired. Now the antonym of hope is despair. In other words, the opposite of hope is despair. And look, the Apostle Paul was under so much pressure that he despaired of life itself. And that supports what I was just saying. When you don't have hope, you begin to lose your life quickly. It, 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 it leaks away very, very quickly. And so in verse 9 it says, Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. And some of you, have, maybe you haven't received the sentence of death, but you feel like you've received the sentence of the end of your marriage, or the sentence of the end of your job, or the sentence of the end of your financial security, who knows what it is, you feel like you've received that sentence. And I want to tell you something, it's just a feeling. All you have is just a feeling. Uh, It's not a word from God. It's not even a word from man necessarily. It could be. But it's just a feeling. And feelings can, can truly be dealt with with the truth of the word of God. A thought enters your mind, it doesn't mean it's the truth. A feeling enters your emotion, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the truth. We need to deal with these feelings. So if we're filled with hope, we're going to be able to deal with our feelings. And obviously we're, we're, we're headed towards the hope that God provides, not that this world provides. But let's read on. Uh, the Apostle Paul says, But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but we might rely on God. When the pressure starts building, we need to start relying on God. And that's why some of these things have happened. That's why some of these things have happened. God has allowed some of these things to happen in our lives so that uh, that we'll start relying on the Lord. God wants us to rely on Him and not on ourselves. And look, look at this. He says, But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And today we're here to talk about, we're here to talk about the resurrection that Jesus provides and the hope that comes with it. Okay, so here's a couple of thoughts about, uh, uh, about what the resurrection does and what hope and hopelessness means to it, okay? Hopelessness is the source of many suicidal thoughts. Hopelessness is the source of many suicidal thoughts. So when we're, uh, when we're trying to live our lives and we lose hope, uh, suicidal thoughts can enter into our minds. And I would, I would venture to say that the vast majority of us have had a suicidal thought or two in our lives. We know what it's like to want our, our lives to end. There's a couple of people in the Bible, in fact, stories of people in the Bible who reached the pit of despair, and some of them reached the pit of despair fairly quickly, and they lost all hope, and look at what their reaction was. In Acts 16.27, Paul and Silas are in the jail. They start praising God. There's an earthquake. The jail, uh, the, the, the jail doors open, and the jailer wakes up in Acts 20, uh, 16.27. The jailer wakes up, And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Look at how quickly this guy lost all hope. He lost hope in almost a second, and he was willing to take his life that quickly. That's just amazing. Look at how quickly hopelessness brings you to the end of your life if you're not careful. 
In 1 Samuel 17, 32, speaking of um, uh, David, here's, here's David. He's about to fight Goliath. And so he walks up to King Saul, and here's what David says. He says, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. And that word, lose heart, is, is the essence of hopelessness. And, and all those Israelites, for 40 days, they'd come out, and every time they heard the Philistine's voice, that, that Goliath's voice, that giant's voice, they would run and hide. That's how hopeless they were. All right. But David, a youngster, came out and said, don't let anybody lose heart. Don't let anybody despair. Don't let anybody be hopeless. Now, interestingly enough, that Hebrew word for lose heart is used also in 1 Chronicles 10.4, where Saul, now King Saul, many years later after David and Goliath, the story of David and Goliath, many years later, Saul is in the, at the end of his life. He realizes it. He's in a battle. He's been wounded, and he tells his armor bearer in 1 Chronicles 10.4, he says, draw your sword and run me through or these uncircumcised fellows will come and abuse me. That's how hopeless Saul was. And he was, he was too scared to kill himself, so he asked someone else to kill him. But his armor bearer was terrified and would not do it, so Saul took his own sword, and look at this, and fell on it. And that word fell on it, to fall, is the same word that's used for losing heart. When you lose heart and you're, you're hopeless, you fall, and you fall in with the desire of ending your life, of ending your unpredictable circumstances or your threatening circumstances. You want to end it all. The devil comes to you with all kinds of thoughts and feelings whenever you're facing this kind of pressure, but God has a solution for you. It's resurrection. It's resurrection. In Revelation 6.15, now I was reading about a bunch of historical stories in the Bible. I'm going to tell you what the future holds as well. In Revelation 6, verse 15, it says that the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and everyone else, both slave and free, will hide in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They will call for the mountains and the rocks, here's the same word, to fall on them because of hopelessness. They'll, the, the mighty, the people who have all the wealth, they will want to actually die because of their despair, because they want to hide from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come, and who can withstand it? There's coming a day for those who have no hope they're going to, in mass, want to end their lives. Want to end their lives. But there's hope for you and me. There's hope, actually, for anybody. Anybody who will turn to the Lord, there's hope for them right now, the hope of a resurrected life. So let me, let me tell you something, though, that I think we need to be aware of. And that is that earthly hope will keep you alive for a while. Earthly hope will keep you alive for a while. Look at this in Ephesians 2.3. It says, All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. We were deserving of wrath. Listen to this. The addict 
is kept alive because of their addiction. Literally, they look one hour to the next or one day to the next for another fix, and it keeps them going. It, it keeps driving them. It keeps them alive. Now, eventually it kills them, but from day to day, the hope of this earth will actually keep you alive for a bit. The workaholic is kept alive because he or she wakes up every morning pushing ahead with hope to get more done that day. And, and, and so their earthly, their earthly hope keeps them alive. Anybody that's driven with fame or fortune or power is kept alive for a while because their desires are keeping them alive. Lust will keep you alive for a while. Anybody who's looking forward to partying every weekend is kept alive looking forward to, for the weekend or sooner. And so sin gives you some sense of limited hope and that hope keeps you afloat for a while but eventually it'll sink you but when you let go of sin here's the the point that i want to make when you let go of sin you let go of your old hope and you let go of your old source of life what do you have left to hold on to and that's why so many people have a hard time letting go of their old lifestyle is because they're wondering what am i going to hope for what I have to look forward to. What's going to keep me going? And I want to give you this verse that's absolutely blown me away and keeps going through my mind. It's been going through my mind now for a couple of months. But it's in Romans 8.11 and it answers this question. It says, If by the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, there's that point of resurrection, but that same Spirit lives in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. All of the sudden, what's keeping us alive is not sin. What's keeping us alive is the Spirit of God literally living inside of us is keeping us alive. He gives life to our mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. That's in Romans 8.11. All of the sudden, there's a new source of life that's keeping you afloat. And more than afloat, it eventually will cause you to soar with wings as eagles. But we have to let go of the old and take hold of the new for that to happen. So heavenly hope, listen to this, heavenly hope will resurrect you and now will keep you alive. God's hope gives you resurrected life. Look at some of these uh, scriptures on hope, this new hope that I'm talking about. Isaiah 49, 23 those who hope in me will not be disappointed. Isn't that something? Isaiah 49, 23. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. Hebrews 6, 18. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged look at these these visual words we who have fled what have you fled from you fled from your old life you fled from your old hope you fled from that which kept you going day in and day out whatever it was you fled from that and now you've taken hold of a new hope a new hope in romans 5 uh, verses 3 through 5 it says not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. And I'm going to share with you how you get hope. This is an amazing journey of hope. Let's see if you can connect the dots. 
it says, We glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character. And look at what character produces, hope. So I want you to ask yourself right now, are you suffering? Are you suffering physically? Are you suffering suffering emotionally? Are you suffering from maybe mental illness as was mentioned earlier? Are you, are you suffering from anxiety and worry? Whatever it is that you're suffering from, it's producing something in you that's eventually going to lead to hope. So that's why the Bible says to rejoice in all things and to count it all, all joy, my brothers. In, in James 1, count it all joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds because it's going to produce hope in you. And, and hope is life. We've already established that. So Easter, listen to this, Easter is about our hope produced by Jesus's resurrection. That's what Easter is all about. It's about our hope that, was, that is produced by Jesus's physical, actual, factual resurrection. The fact that Jesus was raised to life produces unlimited hope in us, unlimited hope in us. Look at these verses in Romans 1, 3. Regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David, and who the, through the spirit of holiness was appointed as the son of God, listen to this, in, in power by his resurrection from the dead. All right? There is power in the resurrection of Jesus. His resurrected life produces an unending source of, of hope to us and therefore of life to us in romans 6 9 it says for we know that since christ was raised from the dead he cannot die again that is absolutely phenomenal if you were to die and be brought back to life again as jesus was you would never be fearful again because you would know that you never can die again i mean that's that's the way we need to see it Jesus can never be killed again, and he's the one that's leading the, the, the victory parade, as the Bible talks about, leading us in a victory parade. Absolutely amazing. Jesus cannot die again. So why does his resurrection, now we've got to connect the dots here again, what does his resurrection have to do with our hope? Okay, why does his resurrection produce hope in us? Because it means that we will be resurrected as well and we will not taste the second death. That's why we have hope. The fact that Jesus is resurrected and he lives means that we will be resurrected as well and we will not taste the second death. Now I got curious about the second death and what that means. If you look in Revelations 20 and it's in our weekly reading as well. Revelations 20 verse 6 and then also in verse 14 but let me read verse 6 first of Revelations 20 blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection that's you and me we're sharing in Jesus's resurrection he wasn't the only one to be resurrected we share in his resurrection as well and so for those of us that share in his resurrection the second death has no power over them we have there, there's no power of the second death over us who share in his resurrections but they will be priests of god and of christ and will reign with him for a thousand years the millennial reign 
But if I jump down into verse 14, it says, Then death and Hades were overthrown into the lake of fire. And here's the definition of the second death. The lake of fire is the second death. And it's saying we have no fear of the second death because we've shared in the resurrection of Jesus. And that is what gives us hope. That's powerful. I read an article. Well, I started to read an article this week. And I can't remember the exact title, but it went something along the lines of this. Christians gave us hell. Christians gave us hell. It was obviously written by an atheist uh, or a secularist. And um, the point of the article is Christians are the ones that dreamed up hell. Well, let me tell you what. That's just simply not true. Hell is not a figment of our imaginations. It's not something that was made up by some perverse human being that wanted to scare other people. No, hell is a real thing, and it's referred to as the second death, and those of us who share in the resurrection of Jesus don't have to fear the second death. Absolutely wonderful. What is resurrection? Resurrection is to restore a dead person to life. Resurrection is to restore a dead person to life. And as Christians, listen to this, we experience two sets of resurrections. We experience resurrection two times. One in this life so that we can taste it and see what it's like, and one in the afterlife. All right? You might say, but Steve, I'm alive. Uh, What do you mean by resurrection? I'm not dead. I don't need to be resurrected. Well, in Genesis 2.17, we're reminded that when Adam uh, uh, disobeyed God, sin entered into the world, and and God told them before, before they made the mistake, he said, you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat it, um, you will certainly die. You will certainly die. And the death that was spoken of there was a spiritual death. It was a spiritual death so that each and every one of us, we're literally born spiritually dead. We're conceived. As soon as we're conceived of, sin is in our heart and we are, we're born spiritually dead. Therefore, we need to be spiritually resurrected in this life. We need to be spiritually resurrected in this life. John 3, 5 through 8. And you, you, we've all heard of John 3, 16. Well, this is in that same chapter, John 3, 5 through 8. It says, Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven unless he's born twice. Born of water, that means a physical birth, and born of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, and Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. In other words, you must be resurrected spiritually. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And I want to ask you this morning, are you born again? Have you, re- have you received resurrected life? I pray that you have. It's, it's your decision. God offers it to you. All you have to do is receive it by faith. The Bible says by faith we're saved. What is faith? It's just a connection to God. You connect, you disconnect from this world and connect to God and start receiving salvation, resurrected life from Him. In Romans 4.17, it gives a little bit more information of how we can receive resurrection in this life. It says, as it is written, 
I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom we believe. Listen to this. The God who gives life to the dead. The God who gives life to the dead. And he's talking about a spiritual life, an eternal life that's given to us that we can experience right here, right now. The Bible says, I know I will see the, um, oh, what is it? the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. One of the biggest mistakes we can make as Christians is thinking that all our reward is just in heaven. Well, yes, the lion's share of it is in heaven, but we get to receive the reward of God here on earth, a resurrected life. Absolutely unbelievable. Romans 10.9, it says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In other words, if you believe that Jesus was resurrected, then you will be resurrected as well. Everywhere where it refers or references salvation, it's, it's referencing a new birth, a new life that you can have right now. And let me tell you, you will feel a difference. When you give your heart to God, you will feel a significant difference in your life. You will feel that resurrected life. So Jesus' resurrection gives us resurrection as well. In other words, if Jesus had not been resurrected, we would have no hope of resurrection now or in the afterlife. That's serious. That's, that's the reason why we're so excited about Jesus' resurrection is it means something to us personally. If, if you've ever heard the, the term "wifum," what's in it for me? Let me tell you what, we as Christians need to know what's in it for us. Yes, we need to selflessly serve God, but at the same time, we need to realize the benefits of being a Christian. They're innumerable, invaluable benefits of being a Christian. So in Romans 6, 4, it says, we were therefore buried with him in baptism into death. That's death to our old self, our old hopes, our old sins. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We need to meditate on that one. Romans 6, 4. He was raised from the dead, therefore we too may have new life. There's a direct connection with his resurrection and our resurrection. And then I love Romans 8, 11. It says, If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, if, that's your decision. You need to open your heart. And I've done this a million times. Don't you for a second think that it's just a one-time deal in your life. Every day we need to open our hearts to the Lord and let him come into our lives. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. It's the same scripture I read at the onset, but it's reading kind of from a different angle. All right? That's why, for these reasons, we can participate in all the benefits of Jesus' resurrection. What are some of the benefits? Well, uh, that would take days for me to list them all out, but let me list just a couple of, of them for you. In Romans 8, 1, if the Spirit of God, of the living God and His Son is living inside of us, we have no condemnation, no more guilt, no more, no, no more condemnation. I mean, we're guiltless. We're blameless 
Even though we've done wrong things, we're blameless, we're guiltless. There's no condemnation. That's a benefit. Here's another benefit. The law in, in Romans 8, 2, I believe it is, um, the law of the spirit of life sets us free from the law of sin and death. All right? So if someone on this call has been experiencing threats in their thoughts and, and, and uh, thoughts of death, thoughts of sin, the law of the spirit of life sets you free from that. Praise God. You're set free right now. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's another benefit. Praise God. Jesus' resurrection leads to resurrected life for us and all of these benefits as well. So that's why I'm so excited to celebrate Easter and Palm Sunday. So there's two types of hopes, and I'm almost done here, don't worry. Two types of hope that we have, and they correlate with the two resurrections. I have the hope of a new resurrected life right now. I don't have to wait until I die. I have it right now. What does this mean? I don't have to dread every day thinking that something bad is going to happen to me because I have a new life. I don't have to be depressed anymore. I don't have to have my circumstances get me down anymore. I don't have to fear anymore. I don't have to have any phobias or panic attacks or, or any worry in my life because I have a new life now. And plus, I have access to all of God's promises of healing, of provision, of protection, of love and acceptance, of deliverance and freedom. Praise God. That's number one. That's the first hope. The second hope is that is that of eternal life in the afterlife. And we all think about that at times, or we should think about what what happens after I die. I have, listen to this, eternal security in Jesus. Not in myself, not in, in me. I have eternal security in Jesus. If I'm uh, if I have Jesus in my heart and I'm in Christ, as the Bible says, I have, et- I have the security of eternity. And I will live forever with Jesus. And I'll end with a couple of scriptures here. Revelations 21.3. This is what heaven's going to be like. If you think heaven's going to be boring, you are very, very wrong. It's going to be a wonderful place. Revelations 21, verse 3, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. No, no more separation from God. He's with us. He will dwell with them. They will be His people. And God Himself will be with them and be their God. Listen to this. He will wipe every tear from their eye. When was the last time that you cried or felt like crying? In heaven, there will be no more crying. Listen to this. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more mourning or crying or pain. When was the last time you experienced pain? And how would it be like or what would it be like to never experience pain again? That's what heaven is going to be like. And that's what that new resurrected life after our death will be like. The old order of things has passed away. So I'm going to end with this one scripture that sums it all up. Everything that I've said into 10 verses. It's found in Ephesians 1, verses 1 through 10, and I'll read it to you. 
As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. We were born that way, born spiritually dead, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh. In other words, those cravings kept us alive for a while. Um, and following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ or with Christ. And I like that. He made us alive with Christ. In other words, when Christ was, was resurrected, we as well were given the opportunity to be resurrected with him. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. In other words, made alive. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages, that's after, after in our afterlife, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. For it is by grace that you have been saved. And I'm going to put in parentheses from spiritual death. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith and not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ to do good works. When? Now. He's, he's put purpose in your life. He's put hope in your life now, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Let me tell you what, we all need resurrection and new life now. We all need it now. And so I, I challenge you, I challenge you right now to receive the resurrected life that Jesus offers you. And I'm... I'd like to pray with you right now that God would let you and help you let go of your old hope and take hold of this new eternal hope that has benefits for you, not only right now, but also in the life to come, in the afterlife. Lord Jesus, I just pray for my friend right now, God, that you would encourage them in this tough time. Whatever they're facing, it might be financial, it might be physical, it might be work-related. Who knows, Lord Jesus? But God, I pray that you'd help each and every one of us to let go of our old hope that's been given us maybe a little bit of life and to take hold of the new hope, Lord Jesus, that gives us new hope, Lord Jesus, eternal life, everlasting life. So help us, help my friend, Lord, strengthen them, Lord Jesus, to get through this tough time, but most of all, to open their heart to you and to receive you into their lives, Lord Jesus. Through faith, Lord, that faith that's a simple connection with God Almighty, whose Son is Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Lord, for it. In your name I pray, amen. <music> <laughs>